0: Hello, and welcome to the Sierra Bible Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Ralph Milnick. What I'd like to talk about this morning before the baptisms is how to really live forever. How to really live forever. A living hope in a new year. And the verses that I'm using is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. And the, right now, i just like to read those first three verses. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. Did you know you have an inheritance? This is amazing. Look how descriptive this is an inheritance which is undefiled, or I'm sorry, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Let me ask you a question. Is heaven on your future calendar? <laughs> You're thinking, what are you talking about? Well, yes. You know, in the old days, uh, some people said, oh, they're so heavenly-minded, they're of no earthly good. I think nowadays, it's, it's like the opposite, almost. We're so into the world and things happening in the world, we're, you know, it's like we're not even thinking about heaven, are we? We should be thinking about heaven. You know, most of your life is going to be in heaven. <laughs> if you're a Christian, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, most of your life is going to be in heaven. I've been reading this book. I haven't finished it yet. Uh, Lee Strobel wrote a book, The Case for Heaven. As you know, Lee Strobel was an atheist, and uh, his wife became a Christian. Then he went about to disprove Christianity as a journalist and as a um, lawyer. He went about to disprove the Bible, and he became a Christian. He found out the Bible really is historically accurate, and, um, and everything that... God, Jesus, it's all true. He became a Christian, wrote The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith, and like Josh McDowell, became a great defender of the faith and has written many books. And The Case for Heaven, he does a pretty in-depth research into heaven. And I love what he said. He was on Focus on the Family recently. And uh, I like what he says uh, when he describes heaven. Do we have that clip real quick? Heaven is on our future calendar. We may not know when, but when we know someday it's on our calendar, it helps us deal with the present difficulties. Because we say, as hard as things can get in this world, guess what? I'm going to heaven. And after 583 billion, 583,362,572,263 perfect days of bliss in the perfect presence of God, I'm not going to remember <laughs> these present difficulties at all. I love his view. There's a couple things there. First, heaven should be on our future calendar, as because we're going to live most of our life there. And the second thing is, it helps us to cope with this present life too. It helps us to cope with the. We live in a very troubled world of sin and evil and bad stuff. And you know, this year we went to Hawaii in October, and we planned it back in spring. And you know, as Life goes along and, and you 're looking at that calendar. have you maybe some of you have a calendar at work and you have a vacation planned? we should be looking at our vacation like that, uh, like heaven like our vacation, like oh, you know ten more days, five more days, one more day and and we're looking forward to that trip and heaven should be like that. we should be looking forward to it it 's a wonderful place if you read this book it's it 's pretty amazing uh, he describes he uses a lot of scripture and stuff to Talk about heaven. He also found that about 53% of people think or know that they're going to heaven. Just a little over half. The other half don't know or don't think we can know. I know my wife and I, we were in, early in our marriage, we did some evangelism classes. We'd go out talking to people and we'd ask them a question. If you were to die today, are you sure you would go to heaven? And then the second question we would ask, based on how they answered the first question, would be, if you were to die today and God were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? You're probably thinking about that right now. What would I say? And the answers were astounding. Some people that knew the Lord immediately, oh, I know I'm going to heaven. (laughs) Bible says I'm going to heaven. I love the Lord, and I'm going to heaven. Other people, well, you can't know that. How do you know that? You can't know that. I hope I'm going to heaven. I think I'm going to heaven, maybe, if I'm good enough. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't really stolen much. Um, and I, I've questioned that one. You haven't stolen much. How much have you stolen? <laughs> anyway, so how can we know? How can we know we're going to heaven? I love these verses in 1 John 5, 11, and 12. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Well, that's it. Can't get any plainer or simpler than that. You have the Son, you have life. You do not have the Son, you don't have life. You say, well, wow, that's not fair. Well, not what's not fair is evil entered the world, Satan entered the world, messed everything up. And we're all on this side, not the good side. We're all doomed to eternity without God. But God sent his son and said, well, I'm going to provide a way for you to get out of that side back to this side, back to the heaven side, and back to eternal eternity with me. And so we can know that, um, oh, the verse here in 1 John 5 Thirteen. Let's go to that one real quick. He says, "I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life." That verse is one that compelled me to become a Christian at age fifteen in Southern California. You've heard my story, and Jenny, same thing. We went to, we became Christians there in um, when we were fifteen years old in Anaheim, and Billy Graham was talking about that verse that you may know. And I've been raised in the church thinking, well, I hope I go to heaven, but I didn't really know for certain. And so when I read that and Billy Graham was talking about that, you may know, you may know today that you're going to heaven. And like, really? Like, we don't have to think about it or hope for it anymore, but we can know. Yes, you can know for certain that you're going to heaven. You have the son, you have the life don't have the sun, you don't have life the second point is that we were made to live forever we have a mind and a soul uh lee strobel talks a lot about that he he uh has interviewed neuroscientists and people that are really working on the brain and trying to figure out about the mind and the soul and how that works well the bible is very clear about that too in the old testament the new testament When Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That's a whole enchilada right there. We have a body. We have a mind. The mind is what will probably turn off our brain when we die. Like shutting off your your television set. It all stops. But our soul lives on. And it says here. In Ecclesiastes, that he has made everything beautiful in his time. And he has also set eternity in the human heart. We all know that. I know I, there's eternity. I feel like I'm going to live longer than this life. And a lot of us, even non-Christians, expect or try to want to live longer than, the, than this life. They want to put their imprint. They'll do it through their children, maybe with sports or 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 um, music, or whatever. Try and make their kids real. You know, trying to live their life, make sure their kids follow in their footsteps, or something. And they want to live their legacy. You know, longer than their life. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But it just proves the point that we all want to try and mean so- let That our lives mean something, right? Even people put plaques on buildings or their name on monuments and stuff like that. They want to let people know that they're going to live forever. But what happens, for the Christian, this world is not our home. This world is not our home. Think about this. How many of you know the first names of your great-great-grandparents? Okay, yeah, I, I figured there'd be a few, right? There'd be a few that knows the name. knew the, You know the name of your great-great-grandparents. We don't live forever. This world is not our home. Our home is in heaven. We're going to spend most of our life there. I like this quote by, um, by Lee Strobel. Can we put that quote up? However, the existence of God pro- provides a firm foundation for our meaning. We can't simply look to the age of the cosmos, nor is our value based on what we accomplish. It comes from God. We are created and loved by him. The reason all of us have a longing for eternity is that, indeed, we were made by God to live forever. Even Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of this bread, meaning himself, will live forever that's what jesus is saying he also says here excuse me the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy i came that they may have life and have it abundantly on the one hand we have jesus saying i have come that you have life abundantly but he also says over here satan is over here (laughs) trying to steal kill and destroy you know satan's trying to steal your inheritance (laughs) You know, he hates it when people get baptized in Jesus' name. He hates it when people accept the Lord into their lives because he's lost them. They've gone over to this side. Over on this side, Satan is pretty content having, oh, he'll put shiny objects out there, make this side look pretty attractive, maybe through addiction, through alcohol or drugs or gambling. I know a family in this community, they're not here anymore, but a Christian family, their family was torn apart because a gambling addiction makes it look real attractive on this side. But the end is empty, meaningless, no purpose. And in that family, the gambling addiction wasn't the husband, it was the wife. Satan makes it so attractive over here. And you say, well, what about the fence? Okay, I'm on the fence on this. I'm going to be on the fence. I haven't quite decided what I'm going to do. Let me tell you who owns the fence. Who owns the fence? Satan. That fence, if we look at property lines, that fence is not on the line. It's on Satan's side. Okay? God doesn't put up a fence like that. His, his arms are open. He sent his son Jesus and opened the doors of heaven and said, come on over to this side. That we, people want to sit on that fence. They say, okay, I've got enough time. i got plenty of time, right? Do you have enough time? Do you know the date of your death? I got a call from, um, I used to work in a ski shop after I got out of college down in Southern California, and um, I managed a ski shop down there. And I got a call from the owner, who happens to be my cousin, and he said, I just want to let you know something. Uh, Three of the employees, three of the shop guys, they're college-age guys, they went skiing at Mount Baldy, and they went out of bounds, and they were skiing down a a pretty challenging run. And uh, one guy went down, seemed to do okay. The second guy said, I don't know that I really want to do this. But they urged him on, and they urged him on, and he finally went down. He lost control. He ran into a bunch of boulders, hit his head, and he died instantly. I'm sure when he woke up that morning, he wasn't expecting something like that. Those two guys have to live with the other two guys, who I know, have to live with that. We don't know the date of our death, but Satan wants you to stay there. As long as you're undecided. He wants you on that fence of indecision. Because as long as he keeps you there, you're in, his, you're in his property. He also wants you to be there saying, well, I want to keep my options open. There are a lot of religions in the world. There's a lot of different thoughts and everything. I want to keep my options open. That's good, too. He likes that. Keep my options open. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You say, well, how do I get off that fence? How do I go from this side over to this side? Because this side over here, hopelessness, darkness, no purpose, no meaning, empty. This side, forgiveness, purpose, meaning, help with all of our problems. And after all that, in this life, we have eternal life, our inheritance to look forward to. We'll continue on with 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. This is how we do it. We do it through faith. In this you rejoice. So now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I really wanted to focus here point number three, that your faith is more precious than gold, especially through hard times. Your faith is more precious than gold. I don't know if you've ever really thought about that. Any of you have investment in gold? uh, Gold right now is about, what, $2,000 per troy ounce, right? It's pretty valuable. Your faith is more precious than that. Your faith is more precious than that. We go through hard times in life. John 16, 33, Jesus even said, "Hey." In this life, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. This was brought home to me about a month ago. I was speaking up front here about my grandson, Bryce. And I was talking about how he was born with a defective heart. And so we all prayed that he would get a new heart. He needed a transplant, so he got the new heart, which meant another baby had to die, which is, (laughs) that's very sad. And then the heart that he got wasn't working. And so we prayed again, God, can you make this heart work? And it started working for about two or three weeks. And then after that, it didn't work. And then God graciously took him home after living only three and a half months. And it was during this time of year, back in 2006, 2007, during Christmas, New Year's. I remember sitting in my family room, in my recliner, looking at the Christmas tree. I didn't take it down right away. My still up right now, but. um not the same one from back then, but is a different one. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, I love looking at the lights on the tree. And um, I would pray at night and just like, God, I'd bring this before the Lord. God, can you hear me? And I'm sure my son, his wife, our whole family is praying the same stuff. God, are you, do you care? about this this is big stuff here and then i saw these verses in first peter about our faith being more precious than gold that my faith is like that and god really spoke to me and said ralph you're looking your faith you're looking at the outcome of your faith you want it your way your timing you're this you're that Ralph, focus on me. And God set me straight. And I remember that one night just sitting there. I even called Danny. I told him about, and Danny's over here. I told him about that verse that our faith is more precious than gold. We got to hang on to that. And that my faith is in the Lord of all creation. It isn't in the outcome that I want. But it's in the Lord that created the entire universe. It's in the Lord that gave us the Bible, his word, his written word. And it's the Lord that ultimately in the fullness of time gave us his son to come and die and forgive us of our sins so that we can go to heaven and live with him eternally. My faith needs to be in him. Not in my own little worrying about all the outcomes. I should leave the results to God. And I'll tell you, that evening, that one evening, I felt so close to God. Here I was thinking God is either far from me or I'm far from him. But I'll tell you in those moments when God spoke to me, He reminded me that he is closer than the very air I breathe. He never never left. I may have felt a little far away from him. He never left. He says, Ralph, I love you. I love you, wife. I love your son. I love Bryce. Trust me. That's what he was saying, trust me. And as you breathe in air, even right now, think of that, that God is as close to you as the very air that you're breathing right now. In 1 Peter 1, verses 8 to 9, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That night, my heart was filled with glory. Because though I couldn't see him, I loved him and believed in him. I put my faith in God. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I would like to give away a 5 or $10 gift card to revive coffee. Anybody want it? <laughs> you smiled. You want it? You do? You drink coffee? You want it? <laughs> $10 gift card right there. Right. Oh, wait a minute. How do you know there's a gift card in there? Because I said so. So you're putting your trust and faith in the giver of the gift, right? Because you don't see anything in there, do you? Do so you see the point? <laughs> so and how do you know? <laughs> You're putting your trust and faith in me. How do you know? Like, I could be a liar. (laughs) Do I have an honest face? (laughs) You know enough about me, right? You do, right? You hope you do. (laughs) You know some about me. Okay, that's good. So you know enough to take the gift and trust me. Here you go. No, take it. (laughs) But wait, there's not a $10 gift card in there. There's a $25 gift card in there. Now you're happy. Uh what is that Bible verse about inexpressible joy? you uh <laughs> So, what I'd like you to do is there's $25 on it. Would you share it with some with a friend? I'm sure you probably have a friend that could use your friendship. Use your time. Would you do that for me? Because you know, your time is more precious than anything that you can give away. To give away time is the greatest gift you can give someone. So find a friend that could use some time with you, okay, and give that as a gift. Thanks so much for joining us, church. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to hear more messages like this, or if you'd like to partner with us financially, please visit sierrabible.com.